your experience is like mine, then you've probably somewhere picked up the idea that sin is essential to human life. It's just something we have to deal with. It's just a part of life. It's just who we are. After all, we're human. There's a simple diagnostic to discern whether or not this is part of your experience or part of your attitude towards human life. Reflect on a time when you've sinned and what your response has been. Uh, if you come, along, come, come away thinking, well, I'm just human, that's just a part of life, it's just who I am, uh, I've just got to deal with it, grin and bear it, then you probably have this experience that sin is essential to human life. That was part of my experience for a long time, up through college and maybe even afterwards. Until I ran into uh, a passage in Romans 6. It's a passage I'd read many times, but nevertheless, sometimes we read a passage for the 100th time and it lands on us in a fresh way. In Romans 6, Paul raises the question, shall we continue in sin? And his answer may surprise you. His answer is absolutely not. No way, no how. Sin is not something that human beings should continue to practice. Now that runs up against this perspective that we, so many of us have that sin is essential to human life. Because Paul, in calling the Romans to not continue in sin, seems to have a vision of human life where sin doesn't characterize our ongoing Christian experience. And if that's his vision, then we need to rethink our own experience of sin to some degree. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that Paul doesn't think human beings have a sin problem. He absolutely does. Just go back to Romans chapter 3 when he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the reason that Jesus has come to offer himself as a sacrifice of atonement for our sins. Paul certainly believes that human beings have a sin problem. But he also believes that sin should not continue to characterize human life. The reason Paul can say that is because of his understanding of what Jesus accomplishes in his death and resurrection. For Paul, one of the fundamental realities of Jesus' death and resurrection is that Christ has died and his death is a death to sin. He dies and in dying, sin no longer has power in any way over him. And then in his resurrection, the life that he receives, the new life he receives, is life lived to the honor of God. Paul believes that when we are joined to Christ by faith, whatever is true of Jesus becomes true of us as well, including his death to sin and including his life uh, lived wholly to God. So Paul can say in Romans 6, do not submit the members of your body to sin, but instead submit the members of your body to righteousness. For Paul, union with Christ means freedom from slavery to sin and the ability, the possibility, the real possibility that human life can be lived, submitted to God for righteousness. Now that sheds new light on our understanding of sin and human experience. If it's true, as Paul insists, that human beings can stop submitting their, the members of their bodies to sin and start submitting our bodies to righteousness in Jesus Christ, then that means we have to insist that sin is not an essential element of human life. Rather, sin detracts from human life. Sin is really subhuman. And this fits with the larger biblical narrative, doesn't it? If we go all the way back to the, the foundational narrative in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are created 
in a state of right relationship with God, sin is not a part of their original experience. It's not until after um, they eat the fruit of the tree that they, their relationship with God is broken, they're separated with God. Sin is not an original part of their experience. They're fully human prior to eating the forbidden fruit, but after that, um, sin comes in and detracts from their human experience. So their humanity is, um, begins to disintegrate because sin infiltrates their lives. So sin detracts from human experience. It does not define human experience. Let's get that clear. Sin detracts and degrades from human experience. It doesn't define human experience. Jesus does define human experience because Jesus is God, fully God and fully human. In being born of Mary, Jesus enters into full human experience. He is incarnate. He takes on human flesh. And in taking on human flesh, He becomes one of us. The, the important point is that He becomes one of us and never sins. And it's also essential to understand that the incarnation is not over. When Jesus died and was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God the Father, He does so in bodily form. At this moment, in heaven, there sits a human body enthroned at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And that means that that person, that one, that human being, seated on the throne of heaven, reigning over heaven and earth, that one defines human life, and that one, Jesus, is a life free from sin in every way. If that's true, then that gives us a new vision of what it means to be holy and what it means to be human. It means that becoming holy is the journey of becoming human. So the invitation to holiness is not an invitation to legalism, a list of rules, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's an invitation to experience wholeness and healing and full human life in Jesus Christ. Becoming holy is the journey towards becoming fully human, just like Jesus. Thank you.